Okay, so anyone who knows me, and honestly, at this point, anyone who listens to the podcast, because I guess we've just (laughs) gotten real close around here, knows that I do not wear bras. And like, that's not some sort of an over-exaggeration. You can ask any of my friends. I truly do not ever wear bras. However, there have recently been some circumstances where like, I just have to. I've been saying yes to more things. I feel like we've been going to more events and there are just some outfits. I got to do it. And when I tell you I have finally found a bra that makes wearing one bearable. Like I'm never going to be an everyday bra wearer. It's not in the cars for me. But when I have to, the only bras I can wear are skims, which I'll get into the specific ones in a second, but we all know this comes as no surprise. Like I have been an OG diehard skims fan since day one. I am a fan of every single product they make. You know the way I feel about the underwear, the clothes, all of it. But now adding bras to the mix, specifically the Fits Everybody t-shirt bra, because You guys know the way I feel about the Fits Everybody collection. I could talk about that for forever, but specifically the t-shirt bra, it's just so comfortable. I don't know, the straps don't dig into you. It's probably the only bra I've ever worn where when I get home, I'm not like dying to take it off, which I cannot express how massive of a feat that is for someone like me. It's just comfortable and it just does what it needs to do. And I am such a fan, which like no surprise, I love everything Skims makes, but here to confirm the bras are as good as you would think that they are. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And we're the girls behind Comments by Celebs. And welcome back to another episode of our Kardashian bonus show. Hey, Jewel. Hi, Em. What do you think of these episodes? I loved these. I think you liked them because it's Courtney and Scott and Kim and Reggie, which I think I said to you last night, Kim and Reggie, I'm rediscovering through watching is a little bit like my drug. I mean, first of all, based on the two things you just said, A, what's not to like, and B, yes, Kim and Reggie, I think is my drug too, only because I just forgot. Like I, that was the first time I think where we really saw their relationship and them interacting together. And I was like, oh, I really feel like I didn't realize that this is how they were. But that's the other thing. It's kind of in light of our Kim and Connie discussion last week, where it's so hard to envision Kim with someone other than Kanye now. And again, not because I think Kanye is the end all be all. It's just, this has been our reality for so long. And that on top of the fact that since Kanye is less open to filming, we never really see the ins and outs of their relationships unless, you know, they're doing some sort of a GQ interview or something like that. So to watch this intimacy between Kim and Reggie is something we would never get from Kim and Kanye on the show. And I think a part of me was just like missing that in general, aside from the fact that I happen to really like Reggie as a person. Right. And I think that you're obviously very different in a relationship in your 20s versus when you're in your thirties and you're dating the guy that you're going to marry versus like us also seeing them married. Like Kim was just so cute and like baby names. And you know what I mean? Like she's not like that anymore. No. And also as always with any of these episodes, the evolution of Kim from a career perspective is very validating to watch as somebody who, you know, has, has seen the progression. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So the way that we're going to do this is we're on season three, episode seven and eight and episode seven. I'm just going to briefly touch on it because it's great to watch, but to try to recap scene by scene, it's, it would be terrible. I would never put you guys through that. So we'll just talk about the main takeaways and then we'll really recap scene by scene episode eight. You ready? Perfect. I'm so ready. Okay. So episode seven is called the two year itch. And there are basically two main plots, Courtney and Scott, and then some stuff going on with Chloe, the Chloe stuff. I'm not really going to get into except for at the end, because there's a little bit of a relationship dynamic that I think we all kind of collectively forgot about. But with Courtney and Scott, this is the episode where it's their two years. They're kind of reevaluating, thinking how things are going. Courtney's feeling good, but still having a little bit of those trust issues. And this is when Scott's on the phone. Courtney thinks the call is suspicious. It turns out to just be Kim, but Courtney basically follows him for the day, sees him with this quote, suspicious woman. And he gets home and his stuff is thrown over the balcony. He has no idea what's going on. And long story short, the woman was really just a jewelry dealer. The phone call was really just with Kim. He had been coordinating, getting her a special gift for their two-year anniversary, but she really automatically kind of assumes the worst based on what had happened previously. They end up solving it, but you really get to see a Courtney and Scott dynamic in terms of like the quote toxicity that we haven't seen in a while. 
Oh, I love the Courtney and Scott toxicity. I really do. And it was in full force this episode. And even if the events that took place were probably either recreated or just a plot point for the show, I think the genuine feelings of Courtney not fully trusting Scott were 100% real in there. And that's why the episode's so interesting. Well, that's the point that we make a lot with these types of episodes. And I think you were the first one to say it. And I so agree of like, the reason that I can watch these and can talk about them with a level of seriousness and not be like, oh, this is so bullshit. Because clearly when you watch it, some of the stuff is made up. It's the feelings are never inaccurate. Like this is a real thing that happened. The cheating stuff we know was a real thing that she had thought about and her trust issues were definitely prevalent. Do I think that she's throwing his stuff over the balcony in that exact manner? Maybe not, but also maybe. Yeah. I mean, that was the beginning of their relationship. That could have been how she dealt with things. Obviously, we know as the relationship progressed and as Scott's behavior progressed, she went from these emotional reactions to do what you want. I just don't care. Yeah. You know, that's the thing for me that I kind of took away from watching this episode is like one recent corny has made it has been very intentional in not handling things this way for her own sake. She's constantly said that, like she doesn't want to react in those ways and she handles things very differently. So we never see this level of emotion from her in any direction, happiness, sadness, anger, rage, frustration. Like this is just the level of emotion from Courtney that in general, she's a little bit more dimmed with the exception of her fight with Kim, I would say. Right. That on one hand. And then second of all, it's so true that for so long, not only I think was she trying to convince the public that she like, quote, didn't care. But I really think she was trying to convince herself because it was too painful to fully care about everything Scott was doing and then also deal with it. So she put on that mask of like, you know what? Fuck it. That's his life. It was maybe a little bit more easy, even though I think it was a total lie to herself. Of course. I think that lying to herself in that capacity was the only way that she was able to get through it because there was a part of her that You know, when you have these overly emotional reactions, sometimes people then expect that the next step is that you're going to leave or that the relationship is going to be over. And I think what Courtney was doing, because she hadn't made that decision for a long time about what she was going to do about Scott, was by pretending not to care, then it didn't seem ridiculous for her to stay in a relationship that that was toxic and definitely had elements of things that she probably should have gotten out or could have gotten out sooner. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And even at the end, she says, you know, quote, I just feel awful for not trusting him. If I want to be with him and move forward in this relationship, I really have to let it go. And for me, when I heard her say that, it was like the way I felt is you don't have to let it go necessarily. You can't tell yourself to not be affected by something. You have every right to feel a little lack of trust. It's more so like maybe just to not jump to that conclusion because you're only harming yourself in that way. But like, I do often think people feel the need to suppress their feelings to not sound like quote crazy. And that is just never bodes well for anyone. Right. Like you can, you can have a lack of trust with Scott. You can follow him if you want, just collect better evidence than a side hug in a parking lot. Right. Exactly. Like no one's ever in the history of cheating cheated that way. I also think what's interesting about this is for so many years, it was consistently Scott in the wrong, like factually, just what he was doing that to see Courtney kind of like technically in the wrong, even though the root of it was his fault was a role reversal that I wasn't expecting. It added some balance to their relationship. Also, like, we never see Courtney apologize, period. That may have been the last time she apologized, actually. I, I didn't I, hear Yeah. <laughs> I, I honestly think so. And good for her. <laughs> yeah, she took a page out of your book. <laughs> she didn't even have to apologize there. She could have walked back to Scott and been like, listen, obviously you weren't cheating, but it's your fault that you made me feel that way. And she would have been valid in that. <laughs> And so the other pollen of this episode, the Chloe one, which I'm not going to get into because it was just too fabricated, but I have to explain a little so you can understand why this happened, was Chloe had gone to this doctor's appointment and she had gotten a biopsy. Everything ended up being fine, but she was kind of being a little bit flaky. And Chris was really concerned, thought that something was going on. It felt like she wanted to create this safe environment for Chloe to be able to say what was happening. So Chris invites everyone, Kim, Kaylin, Malika, Cece, MJ, a bunch of Chloe's random friends to the house to have this like, not intervention, but to have this moment of saying, we are here, whatever you want to tell us, we're here. Chloe walks in and she's like, what the fuck is going on? And Chris is like, you haven't been returning calls. You didn't sleep home last night. And Chloe is so confused. And she's like, what are you guys talking about? I was literally sleeping out at the person's house that I'm dating. 
So in front of everyone, she's now admitting that she's seeing someone which Malika knew, but the rest of them didn't really know. I personally had no idea. And so by way of that like fake intervention that Chris staged, we got to meet her kind of boyfriend, right? Okay. (laughs) The reason this episode is so funny is because the dramatics leading up to that like quote intervention were so not anything that would have seemingly resulted in her having a boyfriend like it genuinely was like they were trying to get in contact with her she was not answering phone calls she wasn't sleeping at home like no one knew where she was she was missing a business being like it seemed like she was going through some sort of a crisis like they really dramatized that point so at the end when she was like I'm seeing somebody it still didn't make any sense like it still was like okay then why are you like acting like you're falling off the face of the planet and you can't speak to any of us it was literally like can I tell you how I felt when she was like I have a boyfriend it literally Mm -hmm. felt like if two plus two is four and five plus five is 10, then what the fuck is this shit? Because it made no sense. I love TikTok. Yeah, it made no sense. I mean, I think really where it came from was the fact that with this family, she doesn't like to introduce people until it gets a little bit more serious. So she wasn't planning on even telling anyone about this. And then she kind of was forced into it. That's where I think the shadiness was coming from, you know? Right. But you can still answer phone calls. Which, by the way, is also a page out of your book. Like the less you tell, the less questions people will have to ask. Yeah, but if you were calling me for four days and I wasn't answering you and then I was just like, oh, I just have a boyfriend, you'd be like, no, you don't. That's like a made up thing. So it was Rashad McCant. He was a player on the Timberwolves. He no longer plays. But basically, they end up going to a dinner with him. So it's him, Courtney, Chloe, Kim, Scott. And I loved watching them interact. Kim kind of comes around the table and she's like, listen, if you hurt my sister, I will kill you. And they have a great dynamic. He seems to get along with everyone. Clearly, this was kind of short-lived. But it's interesting because he retired from the NBA in 2015. And in 2017, so like eight years after their relationship ended, because this was filmed in 2009, he did an interview with the Charlotte Observer. And he spoke about, you know, it was kind of like him looking back on his career in the NBA and he said that the relationship with Chloe, because it was so highly publicized, was, quote, the biggest regret because it, quote, gave people an opportunity to doubt his commitment to the NBA, saying, quote, without that situation in play, I'm a 60 to $70 million player a year easily. Nothing like blaming women for the demise of your career, right? <laughs> yeah, it's like, I understand. I totally can understand how that relationship it may have been distracting. Absolutely. And I can also totally understand if somebody in that light, for example, James Harden, like it was too much for him. He didn't want to deal with that publicity. But number one, at the time, they weren't the public figures they are now. If anything, maybe you were taken less seriously from like a social perspective because it was like, quote, embarrassing to be dating a reality star. But if you were that good that you were going to be making $70 million a year, I can assure you they're not caring if you're dating Khloe Kardashian. Like it just feels... that just feels like a very unfair thing to say. Like there's a, there's a big difference between saying, you know, socially it wasn't the best move for me and saying it is the the sole reason that I did not get the contract that I wanted and that I'm no longer playing. Also, you dated for a couple of months in 2009. I hardly can imagine a scenario in which that affects your entire career. He seemed like a great guy. I was loving him on the thing. I was like loving him on, uh, on the episode. And then I see that quote and I was like, that doesn't sit right with me. Also, I might be wrong, but I believe this is the same guy who Kim helps Chloe break into the voicemail of when she thinks he's cheating. Oh, is it? Well, we haven't hit that episode yet. The first episode of season four is the wedding to Lamar, so I believe that would be the timeline. Oh, uh, yeah. I mean, it would make sense. He's just being introduced now, so yeah. Right. Also, we're really close to the Lamar wedding. I I know I was gonna surprise you, but then I it like came out just now. Oh wow, that's gonna be amazing. We're gonna have to do it definitely, obviously a solo episode, just for, maybe multiple for that. Yeah, of course, I can't wait. Wow. Anyway, so that was kind of how this this episode ended, and really major takeaway was just we met Chloe's love interest. We now know that he blames the demise of his career on her, and Courtney and Scott are figuring their things out. Solid way to end. Solid. Okay, I'll take a break and then we will come back with full recap for episode eight. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. 
And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. And in terms of their mascara, so it's the Liquid Lash Extensions Mascara. You guys have seen that. It's the viral turquoise tube. I've saw it all over social media before I ever started using it. And it's a unique formula that creates tubes around each eyelash to lengthen them. It's also super easy to remove. So it slides right off with warm water. It doesn't leave smudges. And the ingredients are really nourishing. So they support longer, stronger, and healthier looking lashes over time. It really just gets the job done. Like you will see what I mean when you try it. Refresh your everyday look with Thrive Cosmetics, luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash CBC. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash CBC for 10% off your first order. So there are two main pause for this episode. And the first is, this is when we see Kim's career really taking off and she's balancing the career and then also the kind of responsibility she feels to be present for things in Reggie's life and her relationship with him. And then secondly, Chloe kind of wanting to take on a more creative role. And we see how that plays out with Chris, with New York, et cetera. Correct. I liked this episode. Like, was it groundbreaking? No, I enjoyed it though. I did too. Very much so. So the first scene, they're at Reggie's house. They're going through his closet, which I just have to say, it really did bring me back to the Kim Kardashian closet organizer days. Oh yeah. Also, um, a lot of, what's the word, foreshadowing maybe between her pegging out the stuff to get rid of in Reggie's closet and then Kanye coming in and picking out the stuff to get rid of in her closet. Seeing Kim's style evolution is really, it's really something. I, I don't even know what to say other than it is really something. I would love, you know, they've done with Vogue, et cetera, like rate your looks for these events. I want her to sit down watch every episode of Keeping Up from day one and rate those outfits. I have to say, though, it's so hard to do that because obviously her style evolution has come such a long way and thank God for that. But it's so hard to rate your past styles because there are things that are so cringy to look at, but that's what was in. Oh, at the time, I didn't think anything of it. I don't. I think watching this at the time, I loved her style. Like we, you know what? Me and my friends were having this conversation today where we were saying like, I could not envision wearing like ripped jeans again, like other than like one slit in the knee. Like I couldn't, and that was the look. Like we could not imagine wearing a like non-ripped jean. I will say though with Kim, her style, even throughout one episode did change up because sometimes she was a little bit more kind of preppy, if you know what I mean. And then other times it was a little bit more like sexy. She didn't have a vibe. She has a vibe now, even when the looks change, even when the events change, the overall vibe is pretty much the same. Yes, absolutely. It's really crazy. When you watch from day one, it really is so crazy how Courtney is by far the most consistent in every every sense of the word consistent. It's Courtney. And that's not a good or a bad thing. I mean, people change. But I'm just saying it's unbelievable from her looks, from her style, from the way that she handles things, her personality. I know what I just said with Scott, but that was a rarity. Like, she really has not changed. Oldest child quality. I guess. I mean, it's very much so. It's kind of remarkable, though. But it really didn't change so drastically. No. Her responses changed, but her feelings didn't change. No, but her response is a little bit. Yeah, of course. I mean, listen, you got to do some things differently. Yeah. Anyway, so next scene, we're at the Calabasas house and it's Kim, Chloe, and Courtney. And they're telling Caitlin how they're all going to go down to New Orleans for Reggie's game. And Caitlin kind of makes this comment about like, listen, you can have sex before a game. You can have sex after a game. The only time it fucks it up if you do it during. And they're all like, thanks. (laughs) It couldn't have been more unnecessary of an input. No, but the funny thing about Caitlin that I, it doesn't bother me. I actually just find it funny is there are certain times when we see her being so conservative, kind of so like holier than thou in terms of bringing up certain topics. And then in other circumstances, she's the first one to make something kind of dirty. Right. Totally. You know? Yeah, absolutely. It is very funny to watch. So next scene, Kim's on video chat with Reggie in that same spot in the Calabasas house that she's always on. You guys know exactly what we mean. And she's telling him that she can't make it to his brother's birthday because she has a photo shoot for a cover that's really important. And he's kind of disappointed, but he gets it. 
And in her confessional, she's saying, you know, my career is really taking off. I have so many photo shoots. I have an event for my shoe company with Robert Shapiro, Shoe Dazzle. And I hear that and I was like, Julie, did Kim co-found Shoe Dazzle? Like, I don't, I don't know if that's very common knowledge or people just forgot. And we looked it up and she did. It was founded by Kim, Brian Lee, Robert Shapiro, and MJ Eng in 2009, which I wonder just out of pure curiosity, because I know that in 2013, Rachel Zoe joined as chief stylist. I don't know if she's still on. Also in 2013, Shoe Dazzle merged with Just Fab, but I wonder what happened with Kim Stake. I didn't think that she's still involved. I would be shocked if she was, but I didn't realize that she was actually a co-founder. I didn't either until I saw this. Um, I'm sure there are some like very behind the scenes, like she owns her shares, but doesn't have any say in anything anymore. But I do remember her being like the absolute face of it for a little while and then never heard of it again. Like not never heard of it again, but never heard of her direct involvement again. Right. But that's what I'm saying. I think that when it initially came out, I viewed her as a spokesperson. I didn't realize she actually had a business stake in it. Right. I don't think they, I don't think they played that up enough. Well, I don't think they knew. I don't know what their deal is now. I have literally zero idea as to the state of the company, if it's even still functioning, but for a while it was doing really well. Right. I do remember certain commercials with her in it. Like it's all like a little bit coming back to me now, but definitely nothing that would have made me believe that she was anything other than a face for it. Yeah. Which, hey, good for her. Yeah, of course. So in her confessional, she's saying, quote, my career is on the up and up and everyone in my life, Reggie, family, my friends are going to have to understand that I'm on this train that's not going to stop. I need to be dedicated and focused on my career right now. And I just want to say, you will really see in this episode more than we have ever seen previously on any of the seasons, you know, in one and two, her drive and what everybody is talking about when they say like, say what you want about Kim Kardashian. She's incredibly hardworking. She's incredibly career focused, which you don't need to tell us twice. But this to me is the episode that really started it from a public perceptions perspective. Yeah, I think so too. This would be the episode where like if your parents weren't so convinced about what she was doing, you would want to show them this. That's a great way to put it. Thank you. There, that's such a also like as a total side note. There's such an art to the parent validation in terms of trying to explain to them why a celebrity or why an influencer is worth following or caring about, or like validating their career when parents just don't understand it because it's something that's so out of their realm. Yes, there is an absolute art to it, and it involves not getting too frustrated. Yes, and also it involves like knowing your audience. So, like if I'm explaining the magic of David Dobrik to my uncle, for example, I'm going to focus on different elements than if I'm explaining it to my dad, because my dad will be much more interested in like the vlog stuff. He'll think that's great, whereas my uncle will be more interested in like what's the money being made from the merch. Right. I can't even tell you how many conversations about the Kardashians I've gotten into, like trying to convince people, especially in the early days. Not as much anymore, obviously but trying to convince people about the validation and then that ending and them being like, why are you yelling at me about this family that I don't care about? I'm like, why do you not care about this family that I'm yelling at you about? I feel like that happens to us all the time. It's very frustrating. By the way, as you were saying that, so many people are sending us Kim's story like as we speak because she's posting a lot and you can tell she's wearing her wedding band, which it's it feels a little bit intentional based on all the curiosity previously. I don't know. I, I can't. I really can't allow myself to go into that rabbit hole. Like I can't give too much life to whether or not her wearing a wedding ring in a photo means something because it'll. I'll, I'm going to go crazy and it's just not worth it. I know. It is interesting because that does feel like a statement in and of itself, but it is unusual for her to be in a circumstance like this and not make an official statement. Yeah, I, I don't know. My real take on it is like, I think things are not well with them. I think that they're in the long run, not going to stay married. I don't know if a divorce is like this year, this minute, but I still will stand firm in my stance that like, I don't think this is a, this is a long-term thing. I just, I personally don't believe it. Right. I mean, we'll see what happens. We'll see. Anyway, next scene, they're at Courtney and Chloe's townhouse and Chloe's publicist, Beth calls her and says, there's an opportunity for her to go to New York. They want her to make an appearance at New York fashion week. And it's just interesting in general, like hearing Chloe's reaction to New York fashion week. It's like, oh, oh my God. And it, it's not that they're jaded now, but they're jaded now. Right. They're jaded. Of course they are. But how could you not be? But what's fun about this episode particularly is like Kim's at the point where she's really not fully jaded yet, but she is 
way more jaded than the others. Like New York tour is nothing. New York fashion week tour is nothing. There are bigger things that are still huge, huge things for her, but it's not the same thing that Chloe's at. Like for Chloe, every single thing she's doing right now is the biggest deal in the world to her. Yeah. And, and it's exciting watching that, like especially exciting because we know that a few episodes ago, Chloe was really the one that was expressing frustration about Kim and Chris and the way that they were handling things. Like she definitely, I think had a little bit of that internal, like what about us? Right. Exactly. So by the way, just as a total side note, their publicist at the time was Beth Morris and we looked her up. She's running her company, Beth Morris Public Relations for the last six years. So I don't know what the deal is, but I'm always just curious about these people that were like key in the up and up and what they're doing now. Yeah, me too. It is interesting. I mean, a lot of the people that we see really haven't done much, and the, but then every so often we'll see like a big name. I love when that happens. Yeah, me too. So next scene, it's Kim, Courtney, Chloe, and Adrian. And Kim's just saying how much she misses Reggie, how much time they're going to have to spend apart. And Chloe's like teasing her about them having video chat sex. And Chloe makes a comment to her like, yeah, Kim's like touching herself with the vibrator while they're on iChat. And you can see this is genuine embarrassment from Kim because it was happening on camera. And she did that like playful, like, no, stop. I never said that. And Chloe's like, yes, you did. I loved it. Me too. So uh, Obviously me too. It's one thing to just watch Reggie and Kim interact, but then to imagine they're like sexting. I'm like, okay, I'm so here for this. Me too. Wow. And then I'm like, do Kanye and Kim have FaceTime sex? I don't know. Not anymore. Or maybe, who knows? I, I guess who knows? So many questions, Julie. I have so many. I could not have more questions. I, every single second of every single day, all I have is questions. All I have is questions. They're just filled in my mind about the randomest shit. I am. Trust me. I know. So next scene, Kim's at her photo shoot and her co-manager at the time is Pilar Demand, which... Does she have a co-manager now? Like by co-manager, I guess it meant Chris had a partner. I don't believe they do now, right? Not that I've heard of. I didn't even realize they had had one then. Like I think now it's just they have assistants, they have publicists, they have somebody that's maybe more dedicated, kind of more categorized. But in terms of manager, I think it's just Chris. Right. So basically she's getting ready and Pilar comes to her saying, you know, we just got something for the weekend that you're supposed to go to Reggie. And you see Kim say like, you know what? Work comes first, just book it. I'll handle Reggie after. I think this was a little bit dramatized, but I do think that this happened. Yeah, me too. We actually looked at Pilar's LinkedIn just to see, and it says, in 2008, I started my own company, taking my three clients, Kim, Chloe, and Kourtney Kardashian. I continue to produce projects for film, television, and theater, but have added talent management as well and continue to advise and shape the careers of the artists I work with. And she went on to just give us some other examples, but it's interesting how you know, putting Kim, Courtney, and Chloe n- now is such a flex. Huge flex. I mean, I guess for anybody who had started their own company, for them to be the clients that you take with them would be a huge flex, no matter how long ago it was with them. I personally get a sense of enjoyment from that. Like, yep, they you were right for seeing something in them. Absolutely. Flex on them. <laughs> so next scene, they're at Kim's apartment, and she's talking to Reggie on FaceTime, and he kind of makes a comment to her about how she can't miss his first game. And she's like, I won't, I'll be watching it on TV, kind of like subtly mentioning it. And you can tell he's really disappointed. And she says like, don't make me feel worse. And he's like, I'm really not trying to, but this is just really, really not cool. Keep that in the back of your mind because you'll see how it progresses. But I don't know. I just like the way that he handles things. Yeah, me too. I mean, I think we're Reggie stands. What happened? I mean, we were never not. I just forgot about it. I mean, this was a long time ago. Also, we only saw their relationship so much. Like this is probably, this episode is the most intimately intimately you see it. Yeah. I wonder like if they saw each other now or when they do see each other now, obviously he's married. Like, I don't mean it like that. I'm just saying if there's that spark or if it's really, like if, if they still have that moment of like, wow, that was one of my first loves kind of, or if it's so, it feels like another life. I would imagine both of those things. I would imagine that they're very like platonically amicable when they see each other. They're probably friendly when they see each other. I'm sure they've seen each other in in recent years. I can't imagine that they wouldn't be at the same events. Um, But I'm sure there's always going to be a part of them that's like, wow, that was my first love. Yeah. Or not first, but one of the first. Or like one of my first loves or my first love since being famous. Like, Yeah. I think a lot of it comes from not even the romantic element and more so like 
this was a person that was with me when I was on the up and up specifically for Kim, because Reggie was a little bit more established at that time. And I don't think you forget that regardless of the person. It can be anyone from your manicurist to your boyfriend to, you know, a friend, like anybody who was there with you at that stage, I think will hold a certain place in your heart and in your mind. Oh, definitely. Anyway, Chloe's packing for New York. Chris comes into her room. She's making her crazy. And this is kind of when we start to see how like Chloe's organization and how she's so particular in the way that she does things, how anybody throwing her off really infuriates her. Especially with Chris. Chloe was just like perpetually annoyed by Chris, I'm realizing. She was. That's like what the entire first four seasons of the show were, was her being like, please get out of my face. It kind of makes me sad to watch. I know, but it was playful. Like, that's just how Chloe was at the time. No, I know. And I don't think Kim t- Chris took it personally. And also, like, mother-daughter relationships, you can't – like, it's so it's so individual. But it, I don't know. It, it did make me feel like Chris felt like a constant burden in a way. Yes, but I also think that Chris was very protective over Chloe in a way that was different than the others. Like, I think she babied her. I think that she was – more protective in terms of thinking that she had to keep her safe from getting hurt or couldn't be as independent as the others. And I think that always bothered Chloe. And you see that a lot here. Well, right. Because I think to a certain extent, what that showed for Chloe is like, yes, she appreciates her mom's caring about her, obviously. But I think in a way, it almost played even more into her insecurities in a way. It was kind of like a projection. It's like, what about me makes you feel like you have to take this extra level of care? Exactly. Yes. Shout out to Astapro for sponsoring this episode and providing me with free samples. So I don't know if you guys suffer from allergies, but kind of a new development in my life is that I apparently do. I didn't used to, but in the last few years, I've noticed specifically as the seasons change that I start to have allergies. And to me, there is nothing more uncomfortable than that feeling of nasal congestion. Like you just don't feel like yourself. And I was really looking for something that worked because so much of this stuff doesn't work. And I found Astapro to be really helpful. So I think it could be for you too, if you deal with this kind of stuff. So Astapro is a first of its kind nasal allergy spray. It's the fastest 24 hour over-the-counter allergy spray. And it starts working in 30 minutes while other allergy sprays take hours. Astapro is the first and only 24 hour steroid-free allergy spray. And Astapro delivers full prescription strength, indoor and outdoor allergy relief from nasal congestion, runny and itchy nose, and sneezing. By the way, that 30 minutes thing is real. And for me to have relief in 30 minutes is just a game changer. Get fast acting nasal allergy symptom relief with Astapro. Go to astaproallergy.com for a discount so you can Astapro and go today. A-S-T-E-P-R-O allergy.com. Astapro and go. Uses directed for relief of nasal congestion, runny nose, sneezing and itchy nose due to allergies. So next thing they're back at the Calabasas house, I really like this scene actually, because Chris is basically asking Kim about Reggie's first game. And Kim says, you know, I can't go. I have that appearance. And Chris is visibly appalled that she's not going to be there. And she's saying to her, you know, Kim is saying to Chris, like, I have a contract. I can't get out of it. And in her confessional, Chris says, Kim is definitely a workaholic, but at the same time, she doesn't leave a lot of room for her personal life. And Kim's kind of realizing that based on what Chris is saying and in her confessional, Kim says, you know what? My mom's explaining to me how important this is. So I'm really upset. She's like, it's killing me that I have to get out of this appearance, but I'm going to tell Reggie I'm going to be there. And Chris says, you've got to be there. It's important to him. And two things here that I want to mention. The first is you can see Kim and Courtney have that moment where if Chris is even saying it, then they know that it's serious because she's the last one to kind of turn down business. Like they knew that she's kind of the ultimate seal of approval in a way. Right. Which that type of dynamic can happen with a lot of things, not just with working. Like I'm going to give an example that's definitely a toxic one, but I think that people will be able to relate to this. It's kind of like if you're with your friend who is always eating healthy, they're always kind of like dieting and you see them indulge in something, you may feel like, you know what, fuck it. Like I can indulge. I have quote permission because they are, again, that's a very toxic and unhealthy mindset, but I think we've all been there to a certain extent. And that's almost what this felt like without the toxicity. Yeah, that's actually a really good comparison. It was like she was giving her blessing almost. Right. Which also, if you're going to look at the other side of that, though, there are a lot of times where I feel like Chris has somewhat uneven expectations for what she believes 
her daughters should be doing for the men in their lives. That's a really great point. Do you want to expand on it? Yeah. So what Chris says in her confessional is different than what she's saying to Kim. Like in her confessional, she's saying like, you know, Kim is definitely a workaholic, but I just feel like her social life suffers and she's not, you know, she's going to regret how much she's putting into work one day when she realizes that she's not taking enough time for herself. Fine. That's a fine statement. For her to say to Kim, you have to be there for Reggie's first game, was basically saying to Kim, like, no, 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 his career and his things were more important than what you had going on in that day, where she could have worded to Kim in that moment and said, like, listen, I know what you have is important. You might want to reconsider because I'm sure Reggie's going to be really upset if he's not there. And I just feel like you're neglecting other areas of your life that you're going to regret doing. That would have been fine. The way she approached it, I think, could have been handled differently to Kim. Yes. And I think that there are past episodes, and I can't think of an example off the top of my head, where I've noticed she's done things like that with Scott and Courtney, where she's like wanted Courtney to do something for Scott, or specifically Chloe and Tristan, even after the cheating scandal of being like, listen, if he's going to do this, then you have to treat him a certain way. Yeah, I have to imagine that it's really unfair to make like a generalization, because I really do think everything is circumstantial. But... I do think there's a certain level, maybe, maybe just a hypothesis that she still feels this underlying guilt with what went down with Robert. And she may be projecting that a little bit to her kids in terms of their relationships. Because the last thing that I think Chris is, is like anti-feminist. I think she's very much supportive of her girls in terms of their career endeavors, wants to bring them up. But I think when it comes to their relationships with the men in their lives, some of her beliefs may be informed by some of what she perceives as her shortcomings in her relationship with Robert. Do you think there's any accuracy to that? Yeah, I think it could be about her shortcomings potentially. I think that – I don't think Chris is anti-feminist at all. I think that she has certain – Things that are a very old school mindset that sometimes come through without her realizing it, especially in the earlier seasons. Like I think that having some ounce of internalized misogyny that comes out in very specific scenarios is not a reflection of her as a person or her as a feminist. It's just a reflection of how she was brought up, the time that she was brought up and certain behaviors that have to be unlearned. Totally, totally. Oh yeah, no, no. Charlie's not like a canceling thing. I agree with you. It just no, no, no. I just mean like in the sense of like it may not come from. I know that was like an intense description of it. It may not come from the fact of like her shortcomings, just like her beliefs that she had ahead of time that she kind of didn't even realize. Right, but I'm saying I think at a certain level in her relationship with Robert, she felt, and she wasn't fully attentive because she was cheating on him. You know, and so I think there's like a little bit of a a, a guilt there, maybe. Potentially, yeah. Potentially. I don't know. It is, It is. Yeah, it, it is interesting. Although just in this particular circumstance, like Chris aside, in, in terms of thinking what was right with Kim, I don't really know who's to say. Like, listen, let me make something very clear. It's only with women where people say, people ask them the question, how do you balance your relationship and your and your work? Nobody's asking men that. You can have the top CEO. Not one person is asking a man that. Not one person is act is asking a male celebrity that. So I that question just in general I don't like. That being said, regardless of gender, there's something to be said for keeping a commitment to your partner that you had already made. So she had told Reggie that she was going to be there for his season opener. That was already the plan. And then after the fact, she okayed this photo shoot or this appearance or whatever it was. So probably where she went wrong was in committing to it in the first place when she had already committed to Reggie. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And the point of the episode was never meant to be his thing was more important than what you had going on. I don't think that was what the episode was framed as. It was framed as much more Kim's a workaholic and needs to learn how to prioritize her time or should be prioritizing her time so that she herself doesn't regret it one day, not because she's supposed to be doing that. Exactly. That's like the distinction that I think is important to make because at the end of it, she was so happy she did that. She felt it was the right thing. She knew it was the right thing. She cared. It wasn't like she was doing it to appease him. She cared about Of course she cared about the state of their relationship and his feelings. I mean, that's just being a human being. Right. And it also goes to the conversation that we have all the time of Kim in the early days of her career thinking that she can't say no to anything. Yes, which to a certain extent she probably couldn't, you know? Um, Right. And we'll talk about this later on with the whole getting out of the contract thing because I know that's not something that they ever do and you could see how it was wearing on her. But the one last point that I wanted to make about this scene, it's like minor, but when 
Chris first said to Kim when they were sitting down and she was like, what do you mean? You can't skip his game. And Courtney immediately came to Kim's defense before they had the conversation. And then Kim and Courtney actually ended up being on the same side. I was thinking of like, that was a moment that I was really happy Chloe wasn't there for because I think Chloe would have been down Chris's throat and it actually would have taken away from the productivity of the conversation. I so agree. You know? Yeah, I totally agree with you. You're right. Okay, switching gears for a second. Chloe's in New York and she's getting lunch with Jonathan Shevin. I say Shabon, but I guess that's wrong. I always used to say Jonathan Shabon, but I guess it's Shevin. I feel like, I feel like he changes it. I don't really know what's right because I've heard it so many different ways. But I think she- you made it easy by making it food god. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. Okay. Chloe's the food god. No, I can't take you seriously. Go back to Jonathan Shevin. <laughs> And in her confessional, she goes, Jonathan Shevin is a really good friend of mine, and he owns a clothing line called Critic, and he's also a publicist. He throws events for amazing people like Jennifer Lopez, P. Diddy, Pink. Jonathan knows everything about New York. He's like my personal tour guide. Julie, something that I live for in these earlier seasons is watching the way they describe like people in their lives. Like what what are what is their claim to fame at that moment? Also, why is Chloe acting like she's never been to New York before? I know, it's kind of bizarre. It was, she's like, oh, the subway? What's that under us? And he's like, oh, let me tell you about the subway. Chloe knows what the fucking subway is. <laughs> so Jonathan's basically saying to her how amazing it would be if he if she came to New York. And she's explaining how she's never been away from her sisters before. And in the confessional, you can see she's really warming up to it. Okay, keep that in the back of your mind. So next scene, Kim, Courtney, Scott, and Malika are in New Orleans. And she's saying, you know, Pilar was able to get her out of her appearance, but in the back of her mind, she's just constantly thinking that she hopes she didn't burn any bridges, which again, like that is the way that they think. It's the way they've thought since the beginning. And it's the way they still continue to think. She says like, I want to make sure I didn't make a bad business decision. Right. She was very concerned about that, which was so understandable. And they're at Reggie's house. He has to stay with the hotel at the hotel with the other players. And it seems like a very fun kind of family dynamic. It was also very cute watching her like make signs. Like it was very like cheerleader in high school. Wasn't it? Very much so. Think about the way now that they are when they go to like Tristan's games. Yeah. I mean, I guess Kim was kind of always like that because at that last Tristan game, she was like up out of her seat cheering. But it's just funny to me watching them like make these signs. Meanwhile, they're going to be sitting in a box where he's never going to see your like 25 We Love Reggie sign. They're like cutting shirts. It's just so crazy. It's so funny to watch. Back in New York, Chloe is at her appearance and she's loving being backstage. You can tell it's like very exhilarating for her. And Mel B is there. Aubrey O'Day is there. She's talking to Aubrey O'Day. Like this was really a blast from the fucking past. Let me tell you. This is pretty much as 2009 as it gets. Right? Beyond. Also, it was funny when the publicist had called her to like make this arrangement. She's like, Oral B is sponsoring it. Like, I was like, oh. like I thought, I thought for a second, I thought I missed something. You know what else was so fucking funny was that they call her and they're like, yes, you're going to host the show. It's going to be so amazing. Whatever. She goes out there like when she walks out, they like say, they're like, okay, once all the models have gone, you're going to walk out. All she does is walk out and turn back around. She doesn't even say anything. I know. And I still thought it was a huge deal. Like, I, I, like watching that episode for the first time, I was like, oh my God, she closed out New York Fashion Week. Yeah, no, you can't be serious. Yes. And, I mean, at the time, I just remember thinking like everything they did was so cool. I know. It is so funny to look back on. And she's saying how much she loved the experience and how much she kind of wants to get to know the side of the industry more. Fifty high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor. It's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. From Pineapple Street Studios and Wondery comes the competition. Host Shima Oliai was Nevada's contestant 20 years ago. Now she's returning as a judge to find out what two weeks with 50 of the country's most ambitious teens can tell us about girlhood in America. What happens when the competitors are thrown into the deep end with the best and brightest? And how does surviving the competition prepare them for everything that comes after? Follow the competition on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of the competition early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.
we are now back in New Orleans. We're at Reggie's game. And Kim's saying that she realizes pretty much every jersey that everybody's wearing is for Reggie. And she's like, I can't believe that it's my boyfriend that everyone is cheering for. It was such a humble, sweet comment and such a sweet moment and realization. And also like so clearly the right move that she was there for her own sake. Oh, definitely. Also, that is kind of crazy to like see a stadium full of people wearing your boyfriend's name. Yeah. And he scores the winning touchdown and she's just like, she's vibrant, you know? Yeah. It was, it was definitely the right move for her own sake to be there. So they're at dinner after at the steakhouse and Scott says, so does Reggie get special bonus sex after he wins a game? Kim's like, he does. It's so small, but I loved it. I, I love it all. Like all of it. I just love it so much. And in her confessional, she says, spending time in New Orleans made me realize that I've been putting my career as my number one priority and it's Reggie that needs to be my number one priority. He makes me happy. And in order for all of this to keep on going the way it's going, I need to kind of switch gears a little bit and balance everything out. That's the moment where I'm like, okay, he doesn't have to be your number one. It's nothing wrong with your career being your number one, you know, just like so he can be number two. Yeah. Or like one and a half or like they can both be number one. Right. Like you, you can prioritize time a little bit better, but I don't think you need to switch your career goals. I know she clearly backtracked on that. Thank God. Yeah. Real quick. <laughs> it was hard. You know, it's hard for her. I think like that's a hard thing for anyone when success is on the up and up and you're also balancing a relationship and you're just figuring out, like you're just figuring out how, what makes you feel good. Yeah, of course. So they're back in New York. Chloe and Jonathan are at dinner and Jonathan makes a comment like asking if she's allowed to drink. She's like, I can drink. I just can't drink and drive. <laughs> she's like, I can drink and walk. <laughs> and in her confessional, she says, the experience in New York has really opened my eyes to so many different things. I feel like I found a new home. And she's kind of saying to him, you know, there's so many more opportunities in the fashion world. And he's saying like, there's no way that you're going to be able to accomplish fashion-wise what you want to do in LA. And at this moment, Chloe is like fully convinced she's moving to New York. Yeah. Chloe has made up her mind in this moment. I don't think I realized how fashion-focused her goals were. Um, I don't think she realized how fashion-focused her goals were until she had one appearance at New York Fashion Week. Yeah. Also, like, I don't know the best way to say this. I feel like it's kind of a thing within the family that like, quote, Chloe has the worst style. They're always the hardest on her. Right. I mean, admittedly, she probably, not that she has bad style, but if you're going to rate all of them, she probably would fall last or somewhat last. It so depends though. Like some people listening to this probably hate Courtney's style and so disagree with that. And some people so agree. Like if you're somebody that prefers the way that Kendall and Courtney dress a little bit more, then you won't get it at all. Because like Chloe would never wear a pointy toe leather moccasin that they would wear. Such an odd example. <laughs> I was just thinking of this one example of these fringe uh, shoes that Kendall wears that I just know Chloe would never. It's also not even just like the actual items, but more about how they put them together as an outfit that I think differentiates them the most too. Totally. So Nexi and Kim and Reggie are alone together. And this is kind of what we were talking about in the intro, just in saying like we loved watching them interact because she says in her confessional, when Reggie and I are together, I just get this feeling all over for calmness. Nothing else in the world matters, just him and I. And they're just talking about how like they're not going to see each other much. She's wearing those red terry cloth juicy pants with a white tank top. And I'm just, I, I don't know. I was loving this. Loving it. Loving it, loving it, loving it. I, I don't even have anything profound to, st- to say. I just w- would do anything for more behind-the-scenes content of them. Of them, but also of Kim and any, every relationship. Yeah. Kim specifically. I know. I, so, I don't know why, but I so agree. It's because you can envision it more with some of the others. Actually, I would – Kylie too. Oh, Kylie might be more for me. Honestly, Kendall too. Kendall I can picture. I can like kind of picture. Kylie, I think is is up there. Kylie's probably the most for me. Yeah, I changed. Okay, same. Final answer. Final answer. Anyway, last scene, they're back in LA. They're at Kim's apartment. And Chloe kind of makes the announcement that she thinks she's going to move to New York. Courtney and Kim are like very excited and very supportive. And Chris is not having it. They kind of get into it. This ends with a very dramatic like to be continued. But you can see how much... One, there was no world in which Chris was going to allow this to happen, but also like 
Chloe was kind of talking a big game and I think kind of underestimating the connection that she feels to Calabasas, even for a short term. I remember at the time thinking Chris was being so unfair. Well, I still kind of did. But like that's a mother's reaction. No, I know. I I do know. And also Chloe's, I think it was because it wasn't like this decision came with so much thought. It was like she went there for one weekend and decided she was moving. Right. Like if I came back for our tr- first trip to LA and I said to my mom, like, I think I'm just going to move there permanently. She'd be like, no, you're not. Yeah. Well, luckily for her, that will never happen with you. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> for me. No, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think there's, there's a, there's truth to both sides. I guess I, I see both sides. Yeah. But I remember at the time being like, wow, she's being so unfair. Like, how dare she not support Chloe's dreams of five minutes? Well, also, Jonathan just made us out. I mean, we fucking grew up around New York. Meanwhile, Jonathan made it out to be like this land of the holy, you know, like the way that they were shooting it. It felt like New York was this other universe. Right. Meanwhile, now they're like literally standing outside my apartment. I know. <laughs> it's funny when I was watching it, I was like, Julie, that is literally your street. I know. <laughs> um. Yeah, so I don't know. I like this episode. Nothing groundbreaking, but this is cathartic for me, I think. Same. Very much so same. I don't think I would have gone back and rewatched 19 seasons. No, and I'm so, so glad that we are. But then I'm glad when a Kim and Kanye thing happens, obviously not the, the divorce, but like that when something like that, because it was fun to do kind of that super episode last week. It's nice to switch things up. It's okay. I have multiple interests. Yeah. <laughs> It's nice to have this show to like ha- have a little bit more flexibility the Wednesday one or Thursday one whenever it comes out. Absolutely, kiddo. Okay. Well, we love you guys. And um, Isabel and I will see you on Friday for our Bravo show. Julie and I will see you next Monday. And uh, that's it. I hope you liked the Monday episode. I, I had a really fun time with um, interviewing Stephen Clady, James Lafferty, and Alexandra Park. I don't know. It was just fun. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And um, yeah, we'll see you. uh, We'll see you next Monday. Let's talk about baby making for a second, because it's really not as simple as it's made out to be. Meaning there's just factually a lack of knowledge surrounding how to get pregnant. And kind of, you know, for many of us, we spend our lives trying to prevent unwanted pregnancy that when you do want to conceive, there's almost a lack of understanding and resources, which is why I want to introduce you to Frida Fertility. Frida Fertility is the only one-stop shop that makes it easier to make a baby with a set of solutions for everything from egg and sperm health to ovulation tracking to conception aid. And basically what Frida is doing is simplifying the journey to parenthood with products that help you go from trying to making a baby. And their products are innovative, easy to use, accessible, from ovulation prediction to at-home insemination kits. They're kind of revolutionizing the conception aid game with the at-home insemination kit, which is almost, you can think of it as like a modern effective solution to the turkey baster. This is baby making simplified. Find Freedom Fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you.